Welcome to the Go and Teach Bible Study program presented by the Monta Vista Church of Christ in Phoenix, Arizona. We want to thank you for joining us today as we examine the truth of God's Word and the answers it holds to life's most important questions. If you have questions about this lesson or would like to study further, please contact us at montavistacoc.com. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word together. Thank you for joining me on the Go and Teach radio program. My name is Ryan Goodwin. I preach for the Monta Vista Church of Christ here in Phoenix, Arizona. I appreciate that you've decided to spend part of your day studying the Bible, and I hope and pray that it will be a useful, edifying, and encouraging experience for you. Today's radio program is going to examine two texts that deal with Christ. One of the texts is an Old Testament prophecy by Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 18, and the other text is a quote of Deuteronomy 18 in the book of Acts chapter 3, where Peter says that the fulfillment of that prophecy came in Jesus Christ. Any examination of the Messianic prophecies is a faith-building experience. To be able to look at the Bible from cover to cover and see that it has a unified message that from the very beginning of creation and the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, God already knew that he needed to have a plan in place to save mankind from sin. That sin was going to be a problem, God was not surprised by it, and he already had an answer for it. So all the way back in the time of Moses, just as the people were leaving Egypt and going to wander in the wilderness all those years, God spoke through Moses. God spoke through that great man, that great leader, that great shepherd of people, and that great prophet, and predicted that a prophet like him would come one day, and that all the promises of God, in particular, the promises given to Abraham, that the whole world would be blessed through his seed, all of those promises would be fulfilled in that prophet who would come in the likeness of Moses. So our text is in Deuteronomy 18, and we'll begin in verse 15. It says there, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, and you shall listen to him. Let's notice a few points about this verse as we get going with our study. First, it's the Lord who raises up one prophet or another. Like 2 Peter 1 verse 21 says in the New Testament, No prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. When a man or woman was called to pronounce God's judgments, it was not because of the independent will of those prophets, but the divine wisdom of God. That is, they didn't choose to prophesy what they did. They didn't choose the judgments or the proclamations, but were moved by God to say those things that were necessary for others to hear. One can never become a good believer in God without respecting the voice of God in every single word, whether it came in the form of the prophets in the Old Testament or the apostles in the New Testament or the word that has been left behind now through the Bible. Now understand, this doesn't mean that a prophet didn't have his own personality 
or that a prophet wasn't going to bring his particular viewpoint or his talents to the table when called to be a prophet. Jeremiah was very different from Isaiah. Isaiah was very different from Hosea. Daniel was very different from Malachi. Amos was very different from Ezekiel. They all brought an interesting perspective, life experiences, and a particular way of writing to their prophecies. But the content of the prophecy, the content of the message came from God alone. Amos spoke truth. So did Isaiah. So did Jeremiah. So did Elijah. And so did Moses. They all spoke truth. And that's an important point to consider. Second, though, from Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, the prophet that would one day come would be like me, says Moses, like Moses. Jesus is just like Moses in the sense that he's a living man from very humble beginnings who uses a human voice to speak to other humans with the capacity to suffer, with compassion for his flock. After all, both Moses and Jesus pleaded for their sheep numerous occasions. They're both described as shepherds. In a much more practical sense, though, Jesus and Moses are the same kind of prophet in that they both are intercessors. They both plead for somebody. Moses begged for mercy for the Israelites when they failed multiple times in the wilderness to follow God and keep him first in their lives. And just as Jesus pleads on our behalf, on behalf of all people who heed his voice, just like it says in a great passage in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2, notice the way John puts it here in 1 John 2 verses 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. An advocate is someone who stands beside you. An advocate is someone who pleads your case. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. But the verse goes on to say, He shall be like me from among you, from your countrymen. This portion of the prophecy reveals that the future prophet would be a member of the Israelite nation. And you shall listen to him, he says. Now, while many Israelites never listened to the call of Christ in this life, it is certainly true that all people for all time will hear the voice of Jesus on the judgment day. Go to the book of Romans in the New Testament and notice a verse here. Out of Romans chapter 14, it says here in verse 11, For it is written, and this is a quote from Isaiah 45, 23, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us shall give account of himself to God. Of course, here's one of the big differences between Moses and Jesus when it comes to their work as prophets. Moses predicted the coming of Jesus Christ. He predicted that this prophet would come and that all people will listen to him. And perhaps this phrase in verse 15, you shall listen to him, is intended to be a little bit of a slight toward the Israelites of Moses' own day. They didn't listen to Moses. They didn't heed his words. He pleaded for them, begged them even worked with them tirelessly to help them understand God and live for God first and foremost. Moses wanted to see the Israelites succeed. 
and he wanted to see them make it to the promised land. Surely it was not Moses' intention or Moses' desire to see people fall on the wilderness time and time again, for rebellions to crop up, for people to fail to respect the majesty and holiness of God. But a prophet would come one day, and they would have no choice but to listen to that prophet, because that prophet, unlike Moses, would come as a judge as well. That prophet, unlike Moses, would come with all the authority of God behind him because he is God. Moses only acted on behalf of God. Moses was a representative of God. Jesus Christ is God. He has always been God. He was God during his earthly ministry, and he is God now sitting at the right hand of the Father in majesty and holiness. But for the sake of time, let's move on to verse 16 now of Deuteronomy 18. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire any more, lest I die. Now this verse is probably making reference back to Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 and 19, when the people of Israel heard the voice of God and saw the great thunder, and they became terrified. In that passage, Moses pleads with them not to be afraid of God, but to approach him with reverence and holiness and honor. Instead of truly coming close to God, though, the people trembled and stood at a distance, and they begged Moses to talk to God on their behalf. While God is not a presence to be afraid of, he is mighty and can induce great fear in those who are weak spiritually, as was the case of the Israelites. What God may be saying in our text today, therefore, is that the Messiah is being sent to the world to balance out the weakness of mankind. While men tremble and fear in the presence of God, the Messiah approaches the throne of judgment with confidence and makes intercession for us directly into the ears of the Almighty. Look at verses 17 and 18 now. And the Lord said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Once again, the Father is affirming that this great prophet will be of the line of Israel. An important lesson is that God makes himself approachable in the form of the Messiah, in the form of Jesus Christ. While the Father is clothed in glory and power and sits upon his throne in the halls of his heavenly kingdom, Jesus, the man, lived as a human being and understands our weaknesses in a very personal way. It's so amazing that God would choose to bring forth a prophet from among us, human beings, because it shows that he wants to be approachable. He wants us to know that his son knows how we feel because he was one of us a human being just like us. The ministry of Jesus Christ had far more impact on the world because he lived as a human. There's a great passage in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 that I think explains this better than I can. Notice beginning in verse 10 of Hebrews 2. For it was fitting for him, speaking of God, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings, the author of their salvation being Jesus, the Son. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. That is, Jesus, the Son of God, 
is not ashamed to call us brethren, because in our own way we're also sons of God. Look at verse 14. Since then the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Jesus, the Son of God, partook of flesh and blood so that he could be close to us, so that he could understand us and that we might be be able to approach the throne of his Father through him. He says, he himself likewise partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives, spiritual slavery as well as physical slavery of death. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he does give help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, and here's verse 17, Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Same word that that we saw in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered... He's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So when God said through Moses that he would raise up a prophet like you from among your countrymen, he meant it. He wanted to raise up a prophet who was human, who would experience temptation and physical frailty, who would experience life just like we do. And that prophet is Jesus. And Jesus did experience all that during his earthly ministry. But he also says in verse 18 of our original text, Deuteronomy 18, verse 18, I'll put my words into his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. I'll make a statement about the words of Jesus in just a moment, but I do want to make a broader application of verse 18 real briefly. All of God's prophets spoke by inspiration. Every word that they wrote, every word of every prophet and every apostle that's written in the Bible was given by God through these men and women of old. What this means, therefore, is that we can't dismiss the Bible as something that's just a book penned by uninspired people or that is just interesting or perhaps informative. No, it's the Word of God, and it is authoritative. But speaking more specifically of Jesus, have your Bibles open at John chapter 12. Have your Bibles open to John chapter 12 and notice verse 47 and 48. If anyone hears my sayings, and this is Jesus speaking, by the way. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to the world to judge the world, but to save it. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know what his commandment is, eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And that's exactly the way that God puts it through Moses the prophet in Deuteronomy 18. He shall speak to them all that I command him, verse 19, and it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Isn't it interesting? And this is why this is such a faith builder. That Moses would write this prophecy down in Deuteronomy 18. And so many centuries later, So many generations having passed by, Jesus would come into the world in the first century 
and confirm exactly what Deuteronomy 18 is saying. When you compare Deuteronomy 18 to John chapter 12, it's the same message. Moses knew that a great prophet was going to come in his likeness. God had Moses prophesied by inspiration that that prophet would come one day. And when Jesus did come, he performed exactly as predicted. Now, if that doesn't count for something, even in the mind of the hardest skeptic, I don't know what one could say. Now, with our remaining time on our program today, I want to go to the book of Acts chapter 3 and look at one particular instance, and this is, I'm sure, not the only time that the apostles and prophets of the first century referred back to Deuteronomy 18, but I want to look at one particular case where an apostle quoted Deuteronomy 18 as evidence of the validity of Jesus as the Messiah. So if you recall, in Acts chapter 3, at the beginning of the chapter, Peter and John, two of the apostles in Jerusalem, were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, which was the hour of prayer. Now they're confronted by a man who had been lame from his mother's womb, and he had been begging all of his life. As people would walk up the steps into the temple to pray or to worship or offer a sacrifice, they would have to walk right past this lame beggar. And this is, of course, exactly what happened to Peter and John. They saw him in verse 3, made contact with him, and he began to ask to receive alms. But Peter and John, who had nothing to offer him, simply said in verse 6, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And they lifted the man up from the ground, and he immediately started to walk. His feet and his ankles were strengthened, and he leapt about. He entered the temple, it says in verse 8, walking and leaping and praising God. And in verse 9, all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him. They knew who he was. They knew that this was the man who had been lame from his mother's womb. They knew this was the man who for his entire life had been incapable physically of walking and had nothing but begging, years of begging ahead of him. And now the man is not just moving. He's leaping, jumping about, praising God as if he's been able to walk his entire life. Now that is a truly wonderful thing that happened to this man. Life-changing. But there's something more to this story. And there was more of a purpose, more of a point that Peter wanted to get out of this than just giving a man the ability to walk. So we pick up in verse 11. While the man was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, and they were full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But you put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter wasn't just changing a single man's life for the better. He wasn't just giving one man the ability to walk. He was using this story, using this miracle to illustrate the power 
of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who Peter points out to the crowd not more than a few months ago, you were willing to to deliver up to death. I'm sure at the time, the people in Jerusalem, including the leadership there in the temple and the Sanhedrin, I'm sure at the time, they thought what they were doing was the right thing. In fact, Peter even points this out in verse 17 of Acts chapter 3. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. You didn't really understand what you were doing. You didn't get what you were doing. You thought maybe you were dealing with a troublemaker, some false Messiah who had come to lead the people astray. Maybe you thought you were dealing with some kind of a political figure, a zealot who wants to bring down Roman authority here in Judea. But the truth is, as Peter points out, this man was no political figure. This man was not interested in Herod's throne or any other throne on earth for that matter. He was and is the Messiah. And the prophets attest to this as well. So Peter goes back to the prophets to prove his point, to show who Jesus actually was. The things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, he says in verse 18, that as Christ should suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and return, that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from the ancient time. So in verse 22, he quotes Deuteronomy 18, the passage that we just finished studying. Moses said, The Lord God shall raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed in everything he says to you. And it shall be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days. You, he says, and of course he brings it on home in verses 25 and 26. It is you, for you, you. He brings it home and offers them an invitation. God did all this for you. Now, he did all this for everybody, for people who had come later, for Jew and Gentile alike. I understand that. But first and foremost, during Jesus' ministry, he came to the Jew first. He came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the promises to Abraham and to preach the gospel, the good news of salvation, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Before we close, I want to go back to verse 24 and make a quick application here. Likewise, he says, All the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days. This is yet another verse that explains that there's a consistency and a unity to the message of the Bible. Even though the name Jesus doesn't appear on every single page of the Bible, he is, in a sense, the main character from cover to cover. He was there at the beginning in creation. He was there to see mankind fall in the garden. He spoke through the prophets and was spoken of by the prophets. He was seen in the lives of Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, and his son Solomon and even the prophets like Elijah and Elisha. His virgin birth was predicted, his lowly, humble beginnings, his life as a man of sorrows, his death, his resurrection. All of these things were predicted in great detail in the Old Testament. 
You can read Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22 or Psalm 110 sometime. The point that I'm getting at, and I think it's the point that Peter is getting at here in Acts chapter 3, is that none of us have an excuse. None of us have an excuse. When we read the story of Jesus, it is a timeless story. Just as when they witnessed the ministry of Jesus, they should have accepted him. They should have accepted him on the basis of the evidence in their own scriptures. Now, will you? Will you listen to the evidence as well? Will you consider the prophecies, prophecies made a thousand years before Jesus even lived, and see the way that his life lined up so perfectly with everything that was predicted? Does that mean something to you? Does that count for something? My friends, it should. Thank you for joining us today. To hear this program again, please visit our website at montavistacoc.com. If you're in the Phoenix area, come visit us at the Monta Vista Church of Christ. We're located at 2202 North 40th Street. We have Bible classes for all ages each Sunday morning at 9.30 and again on Wednesday night at 7. For more information about the Monta Vista Church of Christ or to request a personal Bible study, please go to montavistacoc.com. Amen.